Welcome to the Immigrant Entrepreneurs Podcast, episode 35. I built mostly my business through networking. I would love to say that Austin is a capital of networking because it's really what you do is build connections with people. And that's how I built my business. My name is Lena Warwick, and I'm super excited to chat with Irina Alexander on the show. Irina came to Texas to join her husband in her early 20s. And after her husband had to leave for work overseas, she was forced to handle her new life all by herself. With limited English, she launched an HVAC company initially with her husband at 29 years old, but ended up running the company all by herself with a nursing baby and another child under two years old. She was able to build her HVAC company to $2 million in revenue in just two short years in a male-dominated field and learning everything as she went along. She now specializes in coaching business owners how to run and grow their businesses. So let's dive right in and hear all about this young entrepreneur's journey to success. Okay, Irina, thank you so much for coming on to the Immigrant Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm truly excited and honored to share your story. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me today. So uh, let's talk about your immigrant journey. Tell us where you're from and when did you come to the United States? I am originally from Russia, actually. On my birth certificate, it says USSR, the oh, country okay. that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but from part of USSR, that is Russia. And I moved to United States just over 11 years ago. And it was not just a, a <laughs> planned journey of moving, actually. The story, there is a story behind it. I never planned or thought about moving to America. Okay. But I actually moved to America from China, where I was working. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. And so, were you teaching English in China or what were you doing in China? I was a tour guide. It was my summer job. I was wow. taking tourists from Russia and taking them and showing them China and bringing them back. In 2008, during Olympic Games in China, I met my husband, so he's American, so Russian and American met at the bar in China. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a story. Oh my goodness. Okay, so then what happened? We dated for a few months, and then when he was uh, relocating to Brazil to work, uh, to have his next work project, and I was actually graduating uh, university and uh, going into a PhD program. That's when he proposed. And nine months later, no, I didn't have a baby. <laughs> nine <laughs> months later, I moved to Texas. That's where he's originally from. So that's why Texas. Okay. So how old were you when you left Russia to go to China? Uh, well, it was on and off trips. There's not a specific age since I was going back and forth all the time. Oh, okay. So it's I wasn't living there permanently. It was just a, a job travel. Got it. Okay. So the last time when you met your husband, did you go back to Russia and then you relocated to Texas? Yes, because I had to do paperwork. So all the bureaucracy things. That's why yeah, I went back to Russia, graduated school, got into a PhD program, grad uh, school. And when the uh, embassy called for in-person interview, I went to Moscow for in-person interview. Then I'm from Moscow, I moved to Texas. So how old were you when you moved to Texas? I was in my early 20s. I was 21 or 22. Okay. So what was it like telling your parents at 21 or 22, I'm moving to America? <laughs> wow. I really broke uh, my mom's heart. I'm the only child and I was raised by a single mom. Oh. So it wasn't easy to say <laughs> those words. <laughs> yeah. And I knew that I'm not going to live in my hometown, but it was always, everybody thought that I'm going to be maybe in China, maybe Moscow, somewhere else, but definitely not America. It was, like I said, it was never 
on my radar. <laughs> yeah. And it's much closer for traveling, especially where I'm from, Far East Russia. So leaving my hometown and moving very far away where it's not so easy, you know, to come yeah. see me. It was definitely uh, heartbreaking for all of us. Oh, did your mom eventually join you in Texas? No, she still works. She still lives in Russia. Okay. She comes and visits uh, every year and we go and visit her. So Got we, it. we travel, we love traveling. <laughs> so what did you study in your PhD program? And was the PhD program in Russia? Yes. So original thought was to get my PhD in both languages, Russian and Chinese. So I was thinking to get into PhD program in China and write one dissertation in both languages. It was in international migration, <laughs> the subject. But life happened. I got into PhD program and after one year I quit because I moved to America and it was just, I would say no need for that. Yeah, there's no strong why. Why am I doing that? So tell me, what was it like growing up in Russia? I had only positive memories. So honestly, even though I was born in USSR and I was about four or five when the big wall <laughs> yeah. came down, but honestly, I was raised in unconditional love and my family did everything to pretty much give everything they can. So we always had food on the table. I went to daycare. I went to school, played on the streets. So I only have positive memories. So I know when where I'm from in Russia, it's a very, very small town. And actually the population um, is about like 150,000 in the last couple of years. It, it actually decreased <laughs> by mm -hmm. several thousands of population. So it was not prominent. Back in the day that my cousins or anyone going to college. So was that your similar experience? Was your city pretty big or pretty small? And was it prominent for the people in your town to seek a higher education? My town is about 200, 250,000. So okay. for Russian standards, it's pretty small town, as, as you know, for yeah. America. <laughs> it's a pretty big town, they would consider it. I always love to say, like, we didn't even have a McDonald's back then. So that's how small town. But my hometown, we have about five or six universities in my hometown. So it's definitely a college town. Oh, good. And so higher education was... Pretty much a must. Yeah, that's yeah. my experience that everybody I know in my sphere of influence, all my friends, and they all have a higher education. Awesome. Okay, well, that's good to hear. <laughs> so, Irina, tell me about the struggles that you had to go through when you first emigrated. And this is when you were 21 or 22. <laughs> well, I moved pretty much from China. I would want to say that and moving to Texas and kind of almost like middle of nowhere from uh, highly populated cities with Texas, no public transportation, very, very country-like. So culture shock was definitely there. And even though I drove a car, but we still walk everywhere, even in Russia, in China, if you want to groceries, you can just take a walk five, 10 minutes, you're at the store getting something you want, you would like to eat, getting some groceries and get back home. Well, here you have to drive everywhere. So that was, first of all, it's so country, <laughs> horses, <laughs> cows, when you <laughs> drive along the highways and that you have to really drive everywhere. Not a lot of people live downtown. So a lot of suburbs where people actually live and then they drive downtown, for example, for work. At least that's how it's here in Texas and Austin metro area. So those are two of my biggest things. And uh, even though I drove a car, but as soon as I moved, uh, we didn't buy me a car right away. So I had to drive my husband's Ford truck. Mm. for the f-250 which oh, is huge wow. <laughs> from having you know like regular car <laughs> to driving a truck that was also an experience and i didn't have a choice what happened is my husband he works overseas 
and he is gone every other month. So I didn't have a choice. I moved to Texas and three weeks later, he went back to work. So here I am in the middle of nowhere. My English was okay, but not great. I was terrified to speak on the phone. I was terrified to vocalize, you know, what I want (laughs) because I was afraid people are going to make fun of me. They're not going to understand what I'm saying. And in order to get groceries, I had to get in a truck (laughs) and go to the closest store. So that was first impression. Yeah. Wow. What an experience to just be left alone in the middle of of Texas, driving a gigantic truck around. So did you learn English back in China or Russia? I learned English back in Russia when, well, first of all, it's like Spanish here. You learn English at school. It's a mandatory in high school and university, but it's only a year or two and they give you basics. I had a little bit advanced English because when I was, I believe, 10 or 11, my mom took me to a school of foreign languages to study four languages, which uh, were English, German, uh, French, and Chinese. Uh, a few years later, I decided to focus on just two languages, English and Chinese. Mm-hmm. And when I went to work in China, I pretty much said, well, I don't need English. <laughs> Let me focus on Chinese. So when I met my husband, it was actually very funny because one of the first phrases I told him, I was like, I'm sorry, I don't speak English. And he was like, uh, so what are, what are you speaking to me right now? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, my English is bad. He was like, well, it's better than my Russian because I know zero Russian. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's how it started. So I had a base knowledge, but... Mm-hmm. It was okay. I mean, it was good enough for us to understand each other. And obviously, the more you practice and more you put yourself out there, the faster you improve it. Yeah, yeah. So did you take up like college courses to learn English or hire a tutor or you kind of just through experience learned and picked up English? Yeah, only through experience. I didn't take any courses. I just put myself, well, like yeah. I said, I, I moved in, moved to Texas and he left. So I had to figure out on my own, you know, when it comes to insurance, going to a grocery store, calling doctor. So I just pretty much dived in and, that's, that's <laughs> and learned the, as I go. That's the best way to learn. <laughs> yes, definitely. And the fastest way, I think, as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. So, Irina, before you tell our listeners about your company, tell me about the path you took. Did you try to go into any other fields before starting your business? Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> there is always a story behind every story. And for me, I've been a serial entrepreneur for many years. I had my first business when I was 20, I think, and it was back in Russia. So I've been in the different fields. And so I didn't get to my current business right away. It took me years of figuring out how I can do what I love and make money from it, monetize my message. Would you like me to go get into details? Yes, please. Absolutely. Originally, before I even got into college and university, I wanted to be a teacher. And mm-hmm. my mom told me, it's like, well, teachers don't make money, which is, we all know, true. Mm-hmm. That's why I went to PhD program. I wanted to teach in college, but it's still, we're not big money. And so I got the master's in business, business administration. Mm-hmm. I started my business. I love entrepreneurship, but what the problem is colleges and universities, they do not teach you how to run business. Right. That's a big gap. So when I moved to America, I got my real estate license. And uh, later on, me and my husband, we decided to open the heating and air conditioning business. Oh, That cool. was a first big business here. And a lot of people asked like, well, how did you get into HVAC, heating and air conditioning business? Mm-hmm. And I said, it was pure business decision because... It's something that people need. doesn't matter what happens, especially in Texas. It doesn't matter what happens with the economy. Because if the economy goes down, what people stop going out to eat, they stop they canceling all their 
gym memberships, work, you start yeah. working out at home, and they stop entertaining because they stop uh, spending money on entertainment. Mm-hmm. So with uh, heating and air conditioning, the same with any service industry like plumbers, plumbers and electricians, it's something that is needed all the time. Especially in Texas. Especially in Texas, yes. (laughs) I mean, first of all, it's so hot nine months out of the year. And plus, we are growing like crazy here in Austin for so many years in a row that it's just the amount of people moving here every day and all the big tech companies that come in and bringing Mm -hmm. more job opportunities. So that's the reason behind uh, why heating and air conditioning company. And uh, what I thought is going to be a joint adventure, me and my husband running company together while he went back to work. Out of country. Out of country. Well, back then, well, a little bit backtrack. So what happened is in 2016, Oilfield went down and he lost his job. What went down? Oilfield. Oh, got it. Oilfield. Got it. So in 2016, he lost his job. I was five months pregnant with my second daughter and we decided to open heating air conditioning company. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you open any business, business doesn't start create profit right away. It Mm -hmm. creates revenue, but not profit. So he went back to work to make money. And I was running company full time with two kids under the age of two, breastfeeding one of them. Wow. Oh my goodness. Wait. Okay. So I got to ask something. Did you guys hire employees and then started taking on, you know, customers or how did this happen? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Because I had zero knowledge. I am an expert in working on a business, not in a business. So you weren't climbing the attics exactly. and installing these ACs. <laughs> and like the only time you can see me wearing the technician outfit is probably yeah. for Halloween. That's the only time. <laughs> so absolutely, we hired the operations manager. We hired our first technician. Later on, we hired the receptionist, dispatcher, and so on. So yes, we originally started with hiring people because we were not doing work ourselves. Absolutely. Okay. So yeah, he was working. I was running company in uh, that's in two years. I reached top 1.6% of all women-owned businesses in the United States. So that was a huge accomplishment for me as a woman working in a men-dominated industry. Oh, wow. So is this where you were able to build $1 million in just two years? Yes, ma'am. Oh my goodness. Okay. Tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, just hard work. I had to definitely step out of my comfort zone and do what it takes. I learned a lot of skills and I mean, it wasn't an easy and pass and butterflies and everything was just falling the way it's supposed to down my feet. Yeah. I built mostly my business through networking. I would love to say that Austin is a capital of networking because it's really what you do is build connections with people. And that's how I built my business. I used to be a person who hated to network. I mean, I felt so uncomfortable going into a room full of strangers (sighs) and you want to build relationship and connections. So in stepping out of comfort zone and going to introduce yourself and make sure it's more about them than about you, but at the same time, they know what you do. Mm -hmm. So I pretty much put myself out there. I joined all the networking (laughs) organizations that are exist pretty much in Austin. And which ones was, were they like entrepreneur organizations and like meetups like that? It's a, a lot of paid ones. So like BNI, Business Network International, Chamber of Commerce, is, I became ambassador with the Round Rock Chamber of Commerce. The Buzz, a team national with just business exchange. There are a lot of smaller organizations, for example, like uh, meetups, also like NARI, National Association of Remodelers. I'm not sure what exactly those words stand for, but so places like that. I was, I mean, in Austin, honestly, back <laughs> pre-COVID age, yeah, <laughs> you can network and you can go to different places probably two, three times a day. 
Wow. So I wasn't doing that much, but I was definitely out there several days a week, sometimes every evening and just networking, meeting people. And what happened is actually me being an immigrant played a pretty interesting role in it because I became memorable. When people look at me, they don't think about heating air conditioning. Yeah. (laughs) That was kind of, but what happened is I became memorable was like, they just like that crazy Russian girl (laughs) and she does HVAC. I don't know how it happened, but people started calling me my favorite Russian. So in the, now in the business circles, they know me as a favorite Russian. A lot of, I met a lot of builders. And so I would come around it's like, Hey, here's my favorite Russian. So I just kind of became, I would say in a certain way popular by being different. Mm. What I was afraid of before, because I look different, I sound different. I eventually used it to my benefit mm-hmm. to stand apart and people's like, Hey, you know, let's keep her. When something happened with uh, air conditioning, they would call me and say, Hey, you know, we'd like to use you. Just be on top of the people's mind when something happens. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. what happened when I was networking so much. And that's what I wanted. I mean, they might not have immediate need for replacing or repairing their unit, but when something does happen, I'm on top of their mind and that's what happened. And that's how I was able to grow my business so fast. So did you guys have to raise any capital to start this HVAC company? Uh, We didn't raise any capital. We used our savings originally to start the business. Okay. And then, so you never raised capital at all for this HVAC company? No. And you were able to get up to a million dollars in two years. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I'm still so shocked. (laughs) Crazy, crazy. A woman, you know, from Russia and dominating in the HVAC industry is just astonishing to me. So good job. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much. So it was literally uh, hard work. It was 24 7, especially with heating and air conditioning, because everything breaks down, as we know, like yeah. either after hours or yeah. the weekend. So it was definitely what happened is it was taking life away, honestly, even though I reached, I accomplished so much, but it also hurt my family and my relationship and friends because a lot of times friends would call me and I was like, hey, I can't, you know, people like, where are you? I was like, I'm working. So I was not a business owner. I pretty much created myself a job. I was self-employed, even though I had people working for me. And that's what I would like to say that the actual definition of business is a profitable enterprise that can work without you. If you cannot leave your business and come back and it's thriving, that's not really a business. It's just, you know, you're a self-employed. Right. And that's uh, what happened to me. I realized that. And I, in a few years, I got a burnout. I was exhausted. It was bad. So it was, I was driving on the highway and I remember it like today uh, I was driving on the highway and I called my mom and I said, mom, I'm coming home. And she was like, what do you mean? And back then I haven't been home in nine years. And uh, I was like, what do you mean? I was like, I I need to escape. Yeah. (laughs) I need to change the scenery. Because heat and air conditioning here in Texas is the most money-making time is summertime. So mm-hmm. when everybody's taking vacation, <laughs> you're taking care of everybody else. So I got a burnout. I got my daughter's passports and visas, and we went to Russia for a month. For one month? For one month, for the whole month. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And was that's when I kind of like took my time to figure out what do I want to do? Do I still want to do that? So I came back and by that time I was uh, already leading several networking organizations. Mm. And when I just started networking, I would, you know, meet with people and I would look up to them. I was like, well, how did you do that? How you built your business? Well, in a couple of years, I became that person. People would come to me and they would ask me, how did I do that? And I was like, okay, if people value and they want to know how I did things, 
how can I monetize my message? And that goes back to teaching. That's what I wanted to do my whole life. I just didn't know how to make money yeah. out of it. <laughs> yeah. So wait, Irina, so did your husband eventually join you in leading this HVAC company or you were running this all by yourself? All by myself. He okay. is still working oil field. Wow. <laughs> okay. okay. Till just today. <laughs> <laughs> Till now. He actually just left for work on Saturday. So oh, he okay. is still working in the oil field. Got it. Got it. Okay. So you're in Russia and you're just thinking I'm about... I'm in Russia. I'm thinking about it. And I came back, talked to a good friend of mine who is a business coach. And I was like, I need to do something different. I figured out that I do not want to go back. Can I go back? Yes. Do I want to go back? No. And what with me is I love to build businesses. I love to put puzzles together to create systems so business would run. But once it's running, I kind of, in a certain way, lose interest. <laughs> so crazy me. And that's when I was like, okay, let me see what, what else is out there. So I start looking into speaking, coaching, mentoring, consulting, figuring out what's the difference between, you know, coach and consultant. I didn't know what's the difference before. And for some of you who might be curious, the main difference is consultants usually do work for you and coaches, they coach you how to do the work and keep you accountable versus doing it for you. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was like, yeah, I don't want to do work for somebody else. I already had my yeah. fair share of doing it. <laughs> I would rather coach and teach and mentor and keep people accountable. Yeah. And that's also when what I realized is before I was doing a lot of personal development and in a couple of years of business that I was so successful, I stopped investing in myself because it was about it all came down to money, 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 bottom line. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I lost myself in a certain way. So when I took that break, I was like, okay, it's time to invest back in myself because I love, I'm a constant student. I love to study, to develop myself, to invest in myself. So what I realized is when you go to certain events, you get all fired up, motivated, and mm-hmm. then you come back home. And a week later, <laughs> all the motivation is gone. Yeah. You're the uh, same life you. Life happens and the same you. And that's what I was like, what can I do to keep that momentum going? Not only for myself, but for other people. So, and it was almost a year journey, year long journey that I started over a year ago now where I start uh, taking certain classes and certifications. And last year I became a certified business coach as well as NLP practitioner and trainer. So, and that's what I do now is I actually coach people how to run successful, profitable business without getting burned out. Okay. So how old were you when you first launched the HVAC company with your husband? It was 2016. I was 29 or 30. Let me. Yeah, I was 29. 29. Okay. And so you ran the HVAC for a couple of years? Well, I just sold it in uh, February 2020. So. Oh, okay. Okay. So this burnout was within the last year or so. Well, burnout happened in 2019. Got it. Got it. So okay. when I came back, I was. Uh, just figuring out how to sell company and what's the next steps to take. Mm. So it was uh, my exiting strategy for almost a year. Okay. Okay. Got it. And then within that time, you realize that you want to become a coach and no longer run this gigantic company. (laughs) Yes. Like I said, I always wanted to teach. I just didn't know. I mean, to be honest, I love money. I love comfortable life, but I also want to make impact and make a difference. And I want. I love to see people succeed because when I was running business, I was very selfish. And I was like, well, if I figure it out, you can do it as well. And then something shifted in my (laughs) brain, in my, and I realized that I actually do want to help people. So, Mm. I mean, I wasn't that great and open person. I'm just 
I was very selfish yeah. <laughs> and had a high ego at a certain point of time. So Irina, tell me, who are your main clients? Are these people that are starting their startups? Are these people um, right out of college? Who are your main clients and who do you serve? I have programs for every level of entrepreneurs that, that are out there. And I have a program for just the beginners. I would say somebody who makes less than 250000 in revenue a year. Ideal client, I would say at least half a million in revenue and uh, three to five employees. Well, usually like three, five plus employees. Okay. And more than half a million in revenue. That would be ideal client. We also do a CEO, COO, executive uh, coaching as well. And implementing this year, actually, business retreats. That's when I went through a burnout. Mm -hmm. And I don't want anybody to go through that. So what we are creating right now is a three-day retreats where people can come and recharge. And it's not going to be about business. It's going to be about personal growth. So clean up all the stuff that is happening <laughs> in your life. Yeah. So because your business cannot outgrow you. So you need to grow, invest in yourself, you know, work harder on yourself than you work on your business. And that's what uh, three-day retreats will do is working on yourself, setting your mind straight, clearing your head and seeing a straight path. So then you can go and rock your <laughs> next quarter. Yeah. So that's the idea behind it because we are living under so much stress right now mm -hmm. and that unknown in the world what's going to happen next that puts a lot of pressure on business owners mm -hmm. and that's what my goal is to remove that stress and anxiety so people will be successful and won't bring that back to their place of business because if owner is stress, then it definitely passes along to all the employees and the business. Business suffers as well. It's awesome. And it's also very, very beneficial. And that's what a lot of people don't think about is to de-stress, to pause, to refresh in themselves. <laughs> exactly. So Irina, did you have to reinvent yourself after leaving HVAC? I'm sure you were so filled with all these codes and Freon and all the, you know, language in the HVAC industry. Did you have to get certified? Did you have to, how was the reinvention of yourself happened? Reinvention as of going into business coaching? Yes, or, yes. Yes, I definitely took certification into to become a certified business coach. NLP trainer. So all of that definitely invested in myself and I live by it. I teach what I preach uh -huh. and I'm the biggest example of because I've been through it. And I always tell people when you hire a coach, ask them how many businesses they run, how many successful, unsuccessful businesses, because if they only know it in the books, and trust me, books don't <laughs> justify right. the real life. So that's what I live by. It. I live through it. And I still investing thousands of dollars in myself every year to become a better version of myself. Oh, okay. Got it. So going back to and getting like more courses and understanding more about consulting, right? Yeah. Consulting, coaching. Yes. Correct. Got it. Got it. Okay. So how long did it take the coaching business to start seeing some real traction in the beginning stages? Did you have to do any advertising or how long did it take you to see some real traction? Well, coaching business is fairly new. I became certified business coach in uh, September 2020. So it's been only, what, six months mm -hmm. or so, five months. I do have... a. Uh, about 10 clients now. So it's a pretty good number. Once again, old fashioned way of networking and telling people what you do. I had to work through my limited belief of sales because I used to say that I'm bad at sales. I hate sales. Sales is a bad word and reminds me of a 
used car <laughs> salesman yeah. <laughs> and all of that. And when I went through NLP, major linguistic programming, I realized it's just a limited beliefs that I was telling myself. Mm. And when I cleared that up, you know, that fear of picking up the phone and calling somebody and thinking, well, maybe I'm just bothering them. I don't want to bother them. I don't want to be inconvenienced and realize that I have such a gift that I can give them and just pretty much telling people what I do. Mm -hmm. And it came to me when I was talking to a good friend of mine and when I exited my heating air conditioning business, I had several people coming to me and asking me to work for them. It was so interesting. And they wanted me to do a business development which is pretty much sales, but just building relationship. And I was like, I'm horrible at sales. And a friend of mine, he looked at me and he was like, you're going to be great. I was like, like, what are you saying? Why are you saying that? Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, think about it. Now, when you walk into the room and the business owners, you know, at least half of them. And I was like, yeah, that's right. He was like, that's all it is. It's just building relationship and telling people what you do. Mm-hmm. And just ask for business as well. Because I remember I had a certain period of time when people asked me and I was like, I thought you will never ask me if I want to join your organization. Like you were so focused on selling me, <laughs> but you never <laughs> asked the magic question for my, you know, where is your money? How would you like to pay, you know, cash or credit card? Yeah. <laughs> that's... Uh, Word of mouth, putting myself out there, telling people what I do and uh, providing value. It's all about showing what I can do. I have a client who in the months of October and November, being in business for six years, had the best two months in a row in her Mm -hmm. whole career. Another business owner, his business was evaluated at 850000 Wow. The last year and after a year of coaching, it was appraised for 3.2 million. No way. It's just 12 months of coaching. So when you see results like that, I mean, I got butterflies in my belly. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm more excited than they are. Yeah. You're over there celebrating for them. <laughs> exactly. And that's what a lot of business owners don't do. Mm-hmm. They are so focused on going, going, and going. They don't take time to say, I'm awesome. I did that. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. So did you have to raise any capital for your coaching practice? No, coaching business is fairly inexpensive to start. Other than investing in myself, for getting certified because mm-hmm. uh, NLP certification was almost $20,000. So, which is pretty big investment. Mm-hmm. Got uh, it. But other than that, there's honestly, if some of our listeners thinking about to go into coaching, there is not much needed mm-hmm. really other than a dedication and consistency. Awesome. So Irina, did you have any mentors that helped you out to start your business? And I want to touch on both the HVAC and the coaching practice as well. Unfortunately, during HVAC, I didn't have any mentors. And I realized it later on how it's important to have mentors. And I did hire a coach almost at the end of business and to have somebody looking from outside Mm -hmm. the independent third person opinion is very valuable because when you are deep down into that mess you don't realize or don't see so it's um, so only later on I realized because originally and I don't know if it's um, just my mentality or maybe where I'm from that I didn't want any help I thought I can do it all myself and yes, I can, but it would go much smoother and faster yeah. <laughs> if, I would, if I would just let people help me. So that's another thing I learned when I was running HVAC company is that people are actually love to help and they're mm-hmm. willing to help. Mm-hmm. So let them help, ask for help. I love talk to other businesses like in the trades and construction because we have so many similar <laughs> issues yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was eye-opening for me when I was like I'm not alone people have been through it and mm-hmm. so let them in stop closing yourself and just 
welcome them and open up and have a genuine conversation. So I hired a business coach, like I said, at the end of uh, my business. Mm -hmm. And he later on became my very good friend and the person who actually inspired me to start uh, business coaching and who are we working right now together with. Well, he helped you out with your coaching, coaching practice as well. Yes. So what happened is for almost a year, he was dripping on me like, Hey, you're going to be a great business coach. And he's like, why don't you, you know, come work for me or with me or together. And I was just pretty much saying no. (laughs) And January, 2020, we had a lunch or dinner and he was like, Hey, why don't we collaborate and do like a workshop together? So we started planning that. For March, we scheduled it and then March happened and we oh, had to, no. it was our first workshop was actually over Zoom because we had to figure out yeah. <laughs> how to do it in, instead of in person. And that's when I kind of like uh, said, okay, because I was sharing with him all my ideas. I, he's literally my mentor now sharing all my ideas because that I do not want people to get demotivated. I want them constantly, you know, to keeping them on track. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's exactly what we do. Like, why do you need to reinvent the bill when you can just, you know, come and let's work side by side. And was, it's another challenge for me because I'm so used to do everything by myself. Then <laughs> I was like, and I do like to put myself out of my comfort zone. And I said, okay, I never worked with somebody. And we had a very good conversation where I was like, just if something does happen, just promise it's not going to affect our friendship. So we've discussed that. We put very good boundaries and being honest with each other and so fun. So far, it's been a very good adventure together. And like I said, I'm bringing that NLP piece that hasn't been offered before. And it's so much value for business owners because it's not only uh, working on a business, but working on yourself and clearing up your own stuff so you you don't (laughs) sabotage your business. That's what I had to learn as well is that you need to work harder on yourself. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I do want to touch back on what you said about how you, in the beginning stages when you were running the HVAC, where you were saying that I can do this all by myself and maybe the European mentality because I've had several different European people on my show and they, and they said that we don't ask for help. Like we think asking for help is so shameful and mm-hmm. that, you know, we look so bad reaching out to someone because we think that we can do everything or we should be doing everything by ourselves. So it's a good reminder to us and to any of the immigrants listening that, hey, we cannot do this all by ourselves. And Asking for help, like you said, people love to help. People will actually sit down over a cup of coffee or a Zoom call to help out and and to answer questions. So thank you so much for bringing that up. It's so powerful to understand that. So Irina, looking back at your immigrant entrepreneurial career, what are some of the struggles that you had to go through in the beginning stages? And I really want to hear about the HVAC because you had absolutely no experience in HVAC. What were some of the struggles that you had to go through? <laughs> there's so many. Yeah. <laughs> and there's like now they look like not a big deal. But back then, personally, my own struggle, how people see myself, because I was 29. So mm-hmm. fairly young, yeah. uh, with two kids, no prior experience. And I had to hire employees bring on vendors, you know, build relationship with them and make sure that they respect me. I don't know. That's a big word, but I wanted to, for, for them to see me and take me serious, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Cause that's originally, I got that a lot because like I said, I don't look like a person who owns a heating and air conditioning company. And when I would go networking with people and they was like, what do you do? And I would say heating and air conditioning. And they would say, so what do you do there? <laughs> and I was like, uh, I was like, oh, I'm just picking up the phone. And I mean, people would literally say, and some people assume that, for example, my husband is a technician and I'm just doing a marketing. 
So people would start storytelling them themselves. So when I, I literally had that conversation that I was at the grocery store and the gentleman came to me like, hey, I saw you at the Round Rock Chamber event. How are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, so what exactly do you do there? And I was like, oh, I'm actually on the company. Oh, well, really? I'm sorry. So that kind of just self-esteem. I mean, later on, you know, people already knew that and it wasn't a problem. But the right. first six months, it was definitely hurting my ego, I would say, mm -hmm. <laughs> that people don't take me serious. And for me, being a, I mean, valedictorian, straight A student that almost got a doctor's degree, that was definitely. So I was somebody in Russia. And then when I moved to America, I was pretty much nobody. And I had to build it all over again to prove myself. So for me, that was one of the biggest struggles. Mm. And then, of course, just the vocabulary of heating and air conditioning industry. Yeah. You know, the difference between air handler and a furnace, you know, the Freon and types of Freon and so on. It's honestly a foreign language yeah, it <laughs> by <is>. itself. <laughs> so that was definitely, I had a great operations manager who was that I hired. It was actually a lot to teach. So obviously over the years, I learned the, and I can freely speak HVAC now. Yeah. But it was honestly just such a different language that I had to learn and get into books and put my hands on and see for myself and just know the basics. I mean, I still cannot fix air conditioning system, <laughs> but I know that, you know, certain parameters or symptoms can lead to certain things. And I've been on job sites and I walked around. And I know way more than I ever thought I would know about yeah. <laughs> heating and air conditioning. But those were main struggles is the language and the self-esteem, how people see me and just proving that I actually know what, I, what I'm doing. And what I learned along the way is that confidence is a choice. But confidence comes with experience. Mm -hmm. So I had to look confident mm -hmm. so I can project that the right energy to attract people and prove them that I do know what I'm doing. And over time, I gain confidence of doing it over and over again. And a lot of people think that they need time to be confident. No, confidence is a choice. Mm -hmm. And that's what you have to work with your head to put yourself in the right state of mind to be confident when you talk to people. Mm. Yeah, because you were tracking in the unknown grounds and you were dominating the male industry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm sure the confidence was like, okay, where where is my place in this? And you were able to build yourself up through that. And that's so, so amazing. So I'm really interested to know how do you look at failures and how do you overcome them? Failures as I look at them as a stepping stone. It happens for us, not to us. And when you have that mindset and when you get your learning lessons of really digging deep down of why did it happen? What can I learn from it? Mm-hmm. And when you get your learnings out of it and remove all negative emotions from situation, which is sometimes hard, sometimes very hard, but when you do that, your life gets so much easier. So for me, it's uh, failures or learning opportunities. And once you fail and learn from it, you become an expert. Mm -hmm. So and it helps you definitely to move forward. And for me, it's bring that knowledge, experience in helping others. Mm -hmm. So, so powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that. So let's switch gears and talk about successes because it's also important to talk about successes. <laughs> Are there any successes that you would like to outline from your immigrant entrepreneur journey? And I know you've mentioned so, so many already, but if, if there are anything else that you would like to add. That's the thing about entrepreneurs or me in particular is that I'm such a go-getter that nothing is ever good enough. Like I reach one heights and I 
there's always more. So I'm always climbing up the hill and yeah. <laughs> reaching for more and wanting more. So my husband likes to say like, nothing is ever good enough. <laughs> and it's not that it's true, but I'm definitely always striving for more. And, you know, building a company in two years to a million revenue doesn't really, I mean, maybe 10 years ago, it would sound great. Now it sounds like not a big deal. So, you know, learning to appreciate what I achieve and just telling myself like, hey, you're a badass. <laughs> but overall, there have been so many great moments as of uh, building company up. Honestly, most success is that people I surround myself and who I became along the way. That's the biggest accomplishment, I think. Just looking back, I'm a completely different person. I definitely become more over-servant than as being selfish. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely not the same arena <laughs> when I moved to America. In the, sometimes I don't even recognize myself, but that's definitely. And overall, I mean, I got my real estate license and I went to real estate school just to prove that I can do that. And I was one of the best in class and I had a friend. I'm still friends on Facebook and I still remember we were in a class and he was like, how come you barely studied? And I studied all night long and you bit me (laughs) with a score. Like, how is it possible? The same as uh, NLP I just took. I became an NLP trainer so I can certify other NLP practitioners so I can now coach and teach NLP. I was the only person in the class of almost 20 people who became a trainer without a master practitioner certification. Hmm. So it's kind of like escaping the high school and going straight to college. Wow. <laughs> How'd you do that? <laughs> I don't know. I just do it. I don't focus on like, we can do everything if you, we put our mind into it. So if yeah. we say like, either you can or can't, you're right. So there is a word can't is not, it's just in my vocabulary and it might take sometimes longer. It might be some failures along the way, but overall it's just, if you truly want something, you can have Mm -hmm. all you want. It's truly a game of your mind, Mm -hmm. what you put in your mind, what you believe in. So, so true. There's so many limits that we can create for ourselves, right? That normally don't exist, but we just start creating them out of nowhere. Exactly. Fears and false expectations appear real. People afraid of so many things that are not even real. And they just storytell themselves and sabotage themselves because they create all those stories around things that are not even real. Right. So just stop, stop right now and think positive. So what does the American dream mean to you? American dream? Yeah. I don't know. Honestly, that's a great question. (laughs) Even though I am an American citizen, we all have our own dreams. And I don't know when... Somebody says American dream. I see the house with the white fence yeah. and green grass. I don't yeah. know. That's a typical uh, yeah. Hollywood movie. But I think that for each and every one of us, we all have our own dreams. And what I also noticed that people don't dream anymore. People don't know how to dream. And that's something we need to learn from uh, little kids. They dream all the time. My kids, they want the magic wand. I mean, that's what they've been asking for Christmas. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a dream. I have a big, big dreams. And so it's different for everybody. And honestly, I would just say just being able to dream and don't put any limits to your dreams. That's everything is possible. Mm-hmm. But is it a necessary American dream? I don't know. It's just my dream. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, is giving back either volunteering time or giving back to the community something that is part of your business values? Absolutely. Totally. hundred percent. The way I give back. And once again, I didn't do it before. I had to grow personally to realize how important it is to give back and how great it feels to give back. 
Mm-hmm. So I do serve on the executive board for Access Healthcare System, which is a free clinic, free healthcare clinic for people in need. Because where I'm from, I'm from Russia. We have uh, healthcare available to anybody. It's free. Mm-hmm. It's government provided. And here in America, you can get that. And so I became a part of the board of directors for health access healthcare system where they provide a healthcare for free. So that's something I am uh, passionate about. And another way I give back is I also a mentor with a SCORE. And SCORE is a government-affiliated institute from SBA, Small Business, gosh, what it stands for? Small Business Association, I think, maybe, where pretty much they finance uh, businesses. So what SCORE does is provide the mentoring. So when you're a business owner and you need help in any way, like from taxes to business planning, to any consulting. So you can go and submit a request and they will match you with a mentor who gives time for free. So I also mentor as a business coach for free, anybody who is in need of a business advice. Mm-hmm. A lot of startups, some of them existing businesses. So that's uh, my way. And also if somebody comes to me and with certain request I always help I don't usually advertise that I don't believe in helping people with money because people don't value that but great story I love to share is that uh, uh, there was a girl that was working for me and I found out that she's pretty much sleeping on the floor and she exited the very abusive relationship and She moved out and she didn't have any furniture. So so she was literally sleeping on the floor. I went to a friend of mine and I said, hey, in America, people like to have a lot of stuff and a lot of stuff sitting in garages. So he got a U-Haul and we went around friends and got a lot of furniture and we furnished her apartment. Wow. So that's how I give back. It's just by doing good. And sometimes when people don't even ask, but it just whatever feels right. Mm-hmm. So that's my way of giving. Uh, monetarily, unfortunately, I had some bad experience when people ask for money. So no. that's why I rather do it with what I can do best. And mm-hmm. for me, it's, uh, I built so many relationships over the years where if somebody needs something, they call me because I'm very well connected now mm-hmm. in the Austin metro area. So I volunteer with my brain yeah. in a certain way, yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, but it's so much more powerful to be doing it hands-on and, and with your expertise and just, you know, giving away money to different charities and all those. Some people do have a passion for that too, but yeah, oh, yeah. I, I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. If, if it works for somebody else, that's fine. I like to see direct results from my actions. So, and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing and volunteering the way I volunteer because I see it right away. Yeah. That's so awesome. So what are some things that you would advise the next aspiring immigrant that wants to start their own business listening to you right now? That's a fantastic question. (laughs) I would say be flexible with your behavior and mentality because we all have past and background that is very different from country where you move into. And having that behavioral flexibility, the person with the most behavioral flexibility controls the system. Just think about it. The more flexible you are, in your behavior. So I learned English by pretty much listening to others and copying it in a certain way, mirroring and matching the way people talk. So just be flexible and be open to receive and just observe. So that would be my advice and dream big. Everything is possible. So just never give up, dream big and be flexible. Mm, so powerful. So I want to wrap up with some super, super fast questions, if that's okay with you. Okay. The first one is, what time do you normally start your day? Anywhere between five and six in the morning. 
Okay. Is that because of your kids or because of your work? It's because I want to be up before my kids are up so I can okay. have some personal time. So it's not messy. I don't have to, I choose to. Got it. Got it. Okay. And then how many employees do you have? Right now, I don't have any employees, but in my heating and conditioning company, we had 10. Okay. Awesome. And then how often do you watch TV in a week? I do not have cable, so I don't watch TV. I love it. (laughs) Okay. The last one is how many hours of work do you normally put in, say on average, in a week? Wow. That's a tricky question. (laughs) I honestly don't know. There are weeks I can coach for, I mean, anywhere from, well, right now I don't work as much because I don't have to. So I would say uh, 30 hours a week. Uh, But when I had my heat and air conditioning company, (laughs) I think 80 hours probably. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, working smart now, not hard. Yeah. I love the 30 hour work week. (laughs) That's awesome. And I'm sure through experience, you were able to build that. So. Oh, absolutely. It doesn't come overnight. Yeah. (laughs) Like I said, I have to work first 80 hours to figure out how to work 30 now. Hey, well, Irina, thank you so, so much for coming on the Immigrant Entrepreneurs Podcast and your journey is just one of a kind. So thank you for sharing your journey and I wish you all the best of successes and thank you so much. Well, thank you. It was my pleasure sharing my story and I really appreciate the invite and introduction to be here today. Alrighty, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. If there are any links that were mentioned in this episode, make sure to check them out on my website under this episode to find all the links conveniently located in the show notes. I just wanted to ask for a quick favor. If you could please leave a review wherever you're at listening to this podcast. Also, if you're an immigrant entrepreneur and would love to be on my podcast, please email me and we'll get connected. I'll see you guys all next time for another exciting and impactful episode. Take care.